Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Uh, four games since we last spoke, Dom. Uh, although only one of them is actually a, a league game. So um, Plymouth times two. Um, uh, let's talk about, well, hmm, I, I'm, do you want to talk about the first of those games? It was a nil-nil draw. It was it was live on the TV, and it was a game that probably should have come with a warning not to be operating heavy machinery while watching it because it wasn't a classic game of football. It really wasn't. Um, and I think when I look overall at the, the two Plymouth matches, James, I, I think in, uh, of it as... It, the Hillsborough one was the missed opportunities. Wednesday, I think, were the better side um, um, overall and should have got the job done there and then. Lewis Wings missed that chance right at the death. Um, and no, at the, at the time, I suppose the narrative maybe was that from the Hillsborough goal's draw, that, oh, Wednesday, you know, they've closed the gap from when they've got turnover 3-0 when they played them at home park and so you're thinking we're seeing the progress and that there's been an improvement there and then that's sort of really been blown out of the water a little bit again by the events I think of the last few days just just a little it's almost like a movie script isn't it you know they thought that they'd got better but then um so second 3-0 defeat at Plymouth of the season. You, I mean, you've watched them both. By the way, fans that have also watched them both deserve some kind of medal because um, that is just incredible commitment, people that went down there on um, on midweek. Um, you, you've, you've obviously seen them both. Uh, 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 this feels like a ridiculous question to ask because we, it's two games that we lost 3-0. H- have there been improvements from the first 3-0 defeat to the second 3-0 defeat? I wouldn't say we've taken a drastic step forward, no. It doesn't feel like that. But then I will say there are mitigating circumstances behind losing the other day when Wednesday, Wednesday are missing a lot of players, James. I mean, they have so many injuries to key players too. We're not talking squad players. We're talking guys that would walk straight into the first team. So that's where I do have some sympathy for Darren Moore. He has not been able to pick his strongest 11 all season. I'm convinced that if Massimo Luongo was available to him, Josh Windass... They'd be playing every week, those two. Then you throw in Dominic Iorfa, Sam Hutchinson, Lewis Gibson. I you know, think he is a huge fan of and would be playing week in, week out. And more importantly, Wednesday wouldn't be playing with a back three. Mm. If they had everybody fit, I, I don't for one minute believe that Darren Moore would choose to be playing 3-5-2 he would be wanting to play 4-2-3-1 as that's the formation that he played pretty much all the time at uh, Doncaster Rovers. So he has been forced um, not by... He's been forced to play a system and maybe play some fringe players more than he would have liked. Fair point. And and mitigating circumstances is, is probably the right way of describing it because... Um, football is a squad game. You're going to get injuries. You have to be able to deal with them. We are going to talk more about injuries later on because it does seem to be more of a problem here than than anywhere. Uh, but we'll 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 revisit that. I think what what jumped out at me about the the Plymouth game was that 
it, it felt like it was a familiar script in that Wednesday seemed to start quite brightly. And um, early on, you kind of think, yeah, you know, the, 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 there's, there's real positive signs here. Then when something happens, when something goes against Wednesday, and it is normally a goal, um, there's just nothing there in terms of mounting much of a comeback, and, and we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about Gillingham in a minute. But but sticking with um, Plymouth for for now, the problem was once it went one nil, it it was it, it wasn't going to change, was it? It never looked like Wednesday we're going to get back into that game until we stop talking about those stats, James. Of Wednesday haven't come from behind to win away from home since February 2016. And until we stop talking about and harping on about Wednesday haven't come from behind to win a match since December 2019, then um, it, it feels like it's, just, it's a monkey you know, on this team, the club's back, really, that... We've seen more spirit this year in that there's been at least two or three times where they've come from a goal behind to get a point. So maybe we're seeing a, a marginal improvement and of that resilience and character that you need to show. But teams that get promoted, they are able to overcome adversity uh, and they have that ability within them when they I think go behind in matches or they have a sending off that you fight back and that you win you know I go back to the you know Carlos Carvalho years I remember Bristol City at home they were two on down and I'm pretty sure Wednesday had nine men to Bristol City's 10 and they they won through two late goals from Kieran Lee at Hillsborough and we haven't seen any sort of evidence at the moment to suggest that Sheffield Wednesday, this Sheffield Wednesday crop of players, are capable of doing that when the going gets tough. The question mark that comes from that, of course, is that last season was was horrendous, wasn't it? Of course it was. The one good thing when it got to the end of it, and yeah, it ended in relegation, the good thing was that, all right, we can have a clear out now. You know, these these players that had let us down on so many occasions for such a long time, there were huge numbers of them that were that were leaving the the club. So it was the ability to have that that reset, to press that button and and to make some pretty big changes. The problem now is those problems don't really seem to have gone away. And that raises questions, doesn't it? And and they're very difficult. There isn't we we can't sit here and, and say what that's caused by or what the answer to that is. But it does raise questions in terms of all right, well, well what what is is it something deeper within the football club? Uh, are we just getting very simple messaging wrong? Uh, are we really, really bad at recruiting players? Like what 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 is it that means that these problems come round? again and again and again and I'm not asking you that as a question because it's not answerable but 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 it does it does really stand out that doesn't it as the fact that we've we've gone through that refresh um yeah you might still say that maybe this this squad needs more time um and having so many injuries early on is undesirable isn't it that's not ideal um but those same issues of that that kind of that mental strength that's needed to stay in games when you go behind. You draw that comparison with the Carlos years. You know, then Wednesday would go goal behind, and we wouldn't be remotely worried because uh, it was a team that was absolutely capable of of coming from from behind. And we'd also see then that you know changing changing formation, making substitutions in the first half in order to change games was quite a, a, a regular occurrence. We're a long, long way from that. 
We are, and I don't really know what more Darren Moore can do to fix it. When you look at, we've got a new squad, new coaching staff. He's brought in a sports psychologist to work with the players, uh, as we know. And still, that mentality, we're not seeing it switch. And do you know what? It's funny, when you were mentioning there and talking about substitutions, I think that is one of the big failings. And I think I may have mentioned this a long time ago on the podcast. But um, Darren Moore, I've, I've always questioned, really, the use of his subs when, in the second half, I think there are times where he does leave it too late to make changes. He doesn't make changes early enough. Now, I wasn't at Gillingham last weekend, but I I think most people were crying out for why didn't Dennis Denneran get on the pitch earlier than what he did. And there there are loads of instances throughout his entire Wednesday reign where I would point to and say that subs have either come on too late or haven't been used. And maybe just they haven't made an impact when they've come on. And so I think tactically like that's where one one area I've I've always had a big sort of question mark over you know Darren Moore in that the, the, you know some managers I think they just have a knack of they'd make a change and then straight away it freshens the team up and they either come on and score, make an assist, you know, they, they make a big impact. And, and I, I actually think if you were to go through the 30-plus matches that Darren Moore's been in charge, I bet you couldn't maybe pick out more than one or two where that's happened, where the subs we've gone, oh, yeah, they came on and made a difference. I, I could probably think of Doncaster Rovers at home, the second mm-hmm. game of this season where that happened. I think George Byers and, and, uh, one, and there was another player that came on and that happened, but very few and far between. I mean, the the questions are still being asked, aren't they, about Darren Moore? And and, and we'll we'll talk more about recent games in a minute. But you know, this this has come up here in terms of um, you're right that I think um, inability to influence the game once it's kicked off through substitutions or other kind of tactical changes um, is, is an ongoing criticism that, that, you know, I see from a lot of fans. Um, and as time goes by, it's, it's, it's more difficult to defend, you know, if you're trying to play devil's advocate, uh, because, uh, lessons just don't seem to be, to be learnt. Um, th- there are plenty of other criticisms knocking around of Darren Moore right now. Where, where are you standing on this as, a, as a, a, a kind of an issue right now? Some of the criticism is valid. And, um, you know, I do think that Darren Moore has maybe brought some of the criticism on himself with some of the peculiar team selection and tactics. Um, and you know, we we all thought at the time, even though I think he's done a fairly good job in there, that playing Marvin Johnson at left-sided centre-back, it was a little strange. Uh, and as I uh, you know, may have said before, he, he did actually get as tetchy as Darren Moore's ever got when um, after Cheltenham they'd thrown two points away there. I, I sort of said to Darren, and uh, you know, why persist with a back three? when you're struggling to keep clean sheets on a consistent basis, when you've only got one fit, recognised centre-half available to you, and that's Shea Dunkley. Um, and his sort of response was, 
that you know he's trying to keep the solidity of the team and that you know three five two is the way that they've been playing in the last sort of two months. The wins haven't been coming though; it's been draws, a lot of draws, and so that's why that negativity has continued to build up. That yeah, Wednesday went ten matches unbeaten, but what six of them were draws, and then some mm. of the wins are in the Pizza Cup competition. Uh, and you ask most Wednesday fans, they're not bothered about winning that and then missing out on promotion this season. You want it the other way around. And so it's the style of play. And you know that's what we're still asking. What is the identity of this team? And, and where you know, there can't be any excuses. The, the injuries are there, right? So that that's very tough. That's not an easy hand to be dealt with. But we are over a third of the way through the season and Sheffield Wednesday won six out of 17 league matches. The bottom line is that's not good enough. Yeah. And, and I mean, you used a phrase there that, that I was going to say, which is he has been dealt a, a difficult um, a difficult hand. There's no doubt about that. Uh, f- from kind of summer preparations, everything being a bit last minute because of uh, you know other circumstances through to uh, injury problems uh, and other things that, that have just meant that it hasn't been a smooth start to the season. But you're right, we're a third of the way through the season and there gets a point where you say, all right, excuses aren't really any good it, it just needs solving every team has injury problems you, you you've got to you've just got to find a way around that I, I do think that part of the issue with 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 Darren Moore is that he's very frustrating to listen to sometimes and that makes you start to question not his credentials but his outlook on stuff you know when Wednesday have thrown two points away you kind of need the manager to be really annoyed about that really really annoyed about it and and Darren Moore doesn't kind of seem to he has kind of like a range of emotion but it, it doesn't particularly go up or or down um, and he seems relatively relaxed about Wednesday throwing away another two points I've and, and, and this that season, makes James. us that yeah. makes us question like what what's he like in the dressing room is is that if that's the psyche of the squad which is oh well we really wanted to win that game it's disappointing that we haven't but we've got a chance to put it right next weekend guys that that's not we don't need that now it it needs a different it it just needs a much firmer it needs stronger leadership doesn't it and that's what that's what we need to see from Darren Moore he might be that guy I'm not saying Darren Moore should get fired but we we just we're not seeing it are we the evidence isn't there when's they've lost twice away to Plymouth this season 3-0 and fans would, I think, have liked to have heard Darren Moore criticising and laying into the players. Uh, and you know, it, you know, for him the other night, he you know said that their performance was not good enough. Uh, but that that's really as far as Darren Moore will go. He's just not the type of manager that will slaughter his players publicly when they've underperformed. He won't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what really the, the fans would prefer to hear. Though they would go that you know right, you know, and the players, you know, we're leveling a lot of maybe the blame for Wednesday having not got the results that they should have done this season. But it's the players as well who have to take a huge amount of responsibility that they, they do. And we've been saying here for years on the pod, James, that again the last few years that too many senior players, um, that they don't perform on a consistent basis they let managers down and that's you know where you know Wednesday right now are not 
fulfilling their potential until you get everyone going in the right direction and um th- then you're not going to achieve anything you're just not yep um all right let's talk about a bit more football um hartlepool was uh no that's that's coming up harrogate similar sounding place not a million miles away from each other. Um, Harrogate was, uh, what, just over a week ago now. Um, Pizza Cup game, obviously, no one really that bothered. But but a very strange game in terms of the fact that, I mean, Wednesday won that game convincingly. But fans that were there saying, actually, it wasn't a particularly great performance. And, and probably Harrogate could argue that they were the better team and somehow lost 4-0. Oh, it was never 4-0 game. Yeah, I thought Harrogate for the first hour were excellent and they created loads of chances and had it not been for Joe Wildsmith, they would have scored a few goals and that was where Wednesday's patched up defence, you know, I would defend them on that night and they've done incredibly well to come away with a clean sheet when you've got, you know, Kieran Brennan coming in for only his second appearance of the season, David Agbontahoma, that is not an easy name to say, <laughs> made his Wednesday debut. <laughs> That was a very northern northern English fellow way of saying his name as well. I like it. Well done. I, I really took my time there, making sure that I, I, I did my best to try and get the correct pronunciation. And it probably is still wrong, wrong let's face it, James. But I gave it a go. That's the main thing. Um, so Proud the new boy did okay. And um, yeah, you know, that, that was really what I took away from it, that, you know, you got George Byers and Massimo Luongo got some game time. And do you know what? I'm going to link this again back to uh, the Plymouth replay, James, here of where, you know, and I wrote a piece on this on Yorks Live. That's also what I found strange, that Wednesday could only name six substitutes with the injuries they got and then certain players were cup-tied. So why go to Plymouth for a 500-mile-plus round trip and not start Massimo Luongo? and George Byers, or at least one of them, when they've come back from injury and need minutes? Uh, Why not? I I I just don't understand that. That was, Mm. to me, another uh, sort of peculiar selection. I mean, it suggests to me that he just doesn't think that they're ready, but they've now played a couple of times and they've been training for a few weeks. So I just would have thought that that would have been the perfect opportunity to play Luongo, certainly, for maybe an hour to 70 minutes to continue to build up his fitness. And then you're getting him closer to being involved in League One. So, to me, that was, again, another very sort of eye-catching decision. Uh, sandwiched in between those um, those cup games, then we also had the Gillingham game at, at, at home, uh, and this is uh, the first time that we've ever got to do this on the podcast, where we both have to confess neither of us was at that game. Uh, you were away for the for the weekend. I, how like time off during season time? That that seems. Uh, bit, it would we're, usually we're, we're, be. We'll be having a word yeah. with your employers about this, well, uh, Dom. Well, it would usually be when you know the international break is, and so quite often I would take an international break off. And uh, no, I, I actually was watching Alex Hunt uh, play for Grimsby against Aldershot, so that's where I was. Right. So I did still see some, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday football. Uh, um, in action, so at least I can say I did that, James. Um, but no, by sounds of it, all we missed was a lot of um, housery. 
So. I, I, I'd, I'd prepared a little bit here where I was going to say it was a, a lesson in classic Steve Evans, a word that begins in H, uh, sorry, begins in S and ends in Housery. Uh, we don't swear on this podcast, so we can't say it, but you all know what we what we mean. You could see it coming a mile off, couldn't you? And this fear of if Gillingham got the first goal, we absolutely knew what, what they were going to do, and they absolutely did it. And... and um, I mean, it didn't quite work because because Wednesday did come back and did get a get get a point, and the chances were probably there to have um, to have won that that uh, game. Uh, but I mean, Gillingham aren't going to be the only team in this league that do that. We've already seen it this season, particularly coming to Hillsborough. It is it is one of the the more difficult away trips for most um, for most teams. So they're going to be perfectly happy to engage in the the Steve Evans approach to to games. Um, I don't. Did Wednesday just not see it coming? I don't. I don't. It, it wasn't a surprise that that's how Gillingham approached the game. It's what makes it more important that you get the first goal, and Wednesday didn't. And then they were they were on the back foot, and you're chasing it with a team that are going to be using the dark arts, and they won't be the first team, and they won't be the last. And by the way, how can you possibly have a go at Gillingham or blame them for doing that, going away from home against one of the biggest teams in the leagues when they've got loads of injuries themselves, they've got one of the smallest budgets in the league. What do people expect? Do they just expect them to turn up and turn over and let Wednesday, you know, you know, <laughs> you know just you know, give them an easy ride. Oh, yeah, here you go. You can have three points. It's fine. You know, you can, you know, when they were never just going to turn up and let their you know belly be tickled by Sheffield Wednesday. It just doesn't work like that, does it? And so, yeah, you know, to me, the stats said it all, really. If, you know, Wednesday had 22 attempts. So that's where we've seen... Wednesday starting to create more in maybe the last six weeks than what they were doing at the beginning of the season. And so that then gives us the belief that they're starting to gel and things are coming together a bit more. And they had nine shots on target. And so they should have scored more than one goal. I, that's, that's the fact. They should have done. And so yeah, Wednesday, by conceding yet again from a set play, and that's becoming a recurring theme this season as well. And it's so soft, really poor defending. They gave themselves an uphill task and they weren't good enough to come back and get the win. Here's, here's my problem with all of this, which is, and, and not just Gillingham, but the, the, the four games that we've talked about, maybe less of the, the Harrogate game, because you know I, I don't particularly mind a team that doesn't particularly play very well and, and still manages to win. Um but the 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 sum of of what's happened since we last recorded this podcast, our last podcast was called "The Season Starts Here," and uh, this feels more like, and maybe this is what I'll call this this podcast. This this feels like we're now in a one step forward two steps backward situation because that was the opportunity, wasn't it? Beating Sunderland 3-0 was the opportunity to draw a line in the sand and to push on from there and and to start making progress. And it just has not happened. You're right that the chances have been created and that is a real positive over where we were a while ago. Uh, but we we that has to convert into winning football matches and a massive part of that is not giving away silly goals so yeah i i buy the argument if you know maybe if there was uh maybe if uh windass and gregory were the front two against gilling and wednesday might win that game comfortably if we don't give away a soft goal maybe we win that game comfortably the fact is we didn't win that game comfortably and it was another draw at home against a team that frankly if you're going to be 
in the in the mix for promotion you have to beat at home um that that progress is if you if you plot it on a on a graph it is not steadily going in the right direction is it, it it's going up a bit and then unfortunately at the moment it's going back down it's happened too often this season as well james where wednesday dropped points against the so-called lesser sides and you, we could reel them the teams off them cambridge away cheltenham away shrewsbury at home gillingham at home wednesday haven't beaten any of them and so uh, I, I know that right now this is coming across as a pretty negative podcast. I, what I will say for balances, and I do feel like I've said this a lot too throughout the year, is that despite all this, Wednesday are still eighth in League One, only two points outside of the playoffs. And we're expecting them to get stronger as the season goes on, and when they get the half a dozen or so plus injured players back, then we should see, hopefully, an upturn in results. Well, look, you know, we are where we are, aren't we? And um, what what matters now is let's look at this run of the next three games that are coming up. So, Accrington away, there's, there's no way in the world that you can call that an easy game because it, it's another one of those kind of perky, quite small stadiums. Half the fans in there are going to be Wednesday fans. So atmosphere-wise, I'm not sure that that's going to be particularly intimidating as as such, but, but a difficult ground to, to go to. Accrington away. We then got MK Dons at, at home. Wickham at home, who've made a decent start to the season, but it's at Hillsborough. You know, that seven points from those games ha, ha, has got to be the target. Yeah, I think so. Two home matches and then an away trip against a side that they've only lost twice at home this season, Accrington, but one of them was last weekend and they got tonked 4-1 by Plymouth, who, as we know, are a pretty good side at this level. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, for Wednesday, they have to be targeting three points at the weekend. I'm going to go out and say, James, that it's the... Biggest week of the season coming up by some distance and maybe even the most important block of matches so far in Darren Moore's reign, I think is what I would say. that I feel as if if they don't come away with a good points return and say the gap between themselves gets back up to five points or whatever between themselves and the playoffs... I fear things could get ugly again. Well, well, let, let's cast our minds back to last season. This wasn't Darren Moore wasn't in charge, but there was that run of games, wasn't there, that included Wickham away. Uh, was it Rotherham at home? Yeah, was in no, there it, as it was well. Rotherham and, and away, and then it was Luton, was the Luton at home. Uh, yeah, well, Luton yeah. at home. Um, and and we kind of said, look, this is this is so like you know, I mean, really, it's nine points. You'd settle for maybe seven or six wouldn't be disastrous and and we all know what what happened if we're sat here dom in two weeks time and we're talking about this run of three games and wednesday maybe picking up two points three points four points what what, what where this it, it, this is almost a daft conversation we've got to see what what happens but it feels like history 
is, is it's there, isn't it? We've seen this so many times over the last couple of seasons where we've sat here and we've talked about such an important run of games coming up. And then actually at the end of it, Wednesday have zero points, one point, two points. And you're like, that's just not good enough. We got relegated last season. If if this is going to be the season that we want it to be, we have to get that that minimum. I mean, I almost feel like I'm being negative by saying we need to be getting seven points from those three games they're all winnable we should be getting nine points from those three games there's no reason why we say oh we should settle for a draw away at Accrington or we should settle for a draw at home to Wickham but we're conditioned by where we are I don't think Wednesday will win all three but if in a couple of weeks we've we've not taken a convincing number of points from those games those questions that we talked about earlier are going to get loud and they're going to start getting uh, very, very difficult to ignore or to uh, or to deflect. I'm going to be optimistic, though, James, and say that the two home matches against two teams that are fighting for promotion and where we're hoping that Sheffield Wednesday are going to be come next April. And so far this season, Wednesday have at least got results against your Wiggins, your Rotherham's, your Sunderland's. So that's where I take encouragement. And also that Wednesday, they've only lost once at home at Hillsborough this season. Just too many draws. So turn the draws into wins. And then with a bit of luck, Wednesday are going to climb the table. I like the way you're looking at that. That's good. Um, other stuff that's happening at the moment then. We've talked a bit about injuries. So so Darren Moore after the Plymouth game, this this sort of suggestion that look, it needs looking into deeper because um as he identifies, this is a regular problem at this at this football club. It's entirely possible that it's just really, really bad luck. That we just have bad luck with injuries. But it's also possible that there is something else something deeper that 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 is contributing to 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 this so Darren Moore saying that he wants the club to take a really good look at that well yeah and, and Darren Moore will be taking a very good look at it it can't go on he's right you know Dennis Adenaran picked up a hamstring injury the other night Marvin Johnson after Gillingham so we hadn't, hadn't even mentioned those players as well you know from the list before of guys that have got injuries um, and yeah, you know, I, I've touched on it and said that I, I think historically, maybe the, the training ground, the facilities, the pitches uh, perhaps have impacted on some of the muscle injuries that players have picked up. What I will say is that, um, you know, Dave Ponchansiri has invested uh, you know, quite you know significant amount of money in improving the infrastructure and the facilities at the training ground. What I would say is, though, there is only a limit as to what you can do. You know, Sheffield Wednesday's facilities are just too small. You know, and this is a conversation that will run and run until Sheffield Wednesday were to move and get a new training ground. But, you know, two two full-size training pitches and then two 3G pitches, it maybe is just about League One level. But, you know, for years now, Wednesday were in the Championship and they're not up to scratch. And so... The trouble is that the training ground, yeah, it costs a significant amount of money. And I think that the hardest bit is the location as well at a football. Yeah, it's trying to find in Sheffield or <laughs> in the, you know, where would Sheffield Wednesday be able to find a new training ground? I think this is maybe something that we would do at the next sort of break. I think maybe we 
could go deeper into this as I think it is a big talking point, definitely at the football club. But yeah, I think it is bad luck, maybe. But they look at the medical team again. They look at the sports science side. Is there maybe some areas that they can tighten up there or improve to then prevent players getting into the red zone and then picking up injuries? You know, I think that's where when Darren Moore says they've got to investigate and look at things, you know, from top to bottom. So I'm not saying that this is down to the training ground facilities. I'm saying that I, I think there's a, it's a combination of a lot of factors, maybe, why Sheffield Wednesday seem to get more injuries than most. Yeah, cool. Uh, good thoughts there. Liam Palmer signing a new contract, which had been rumoured for uh, a bit. Uh, by by far the longest servant at the uh, at the football club um, now, and he's you know he's had he's had his ups and his downs, hasn't he, in his Wednesday career? But of late, probably one of the most consistent players that, that Wednesday have had. Yeah, he has been. I agree, definitely. Um, and I have no qualms whatsoever with Liam Palmer signing another year. And I think that. He is a solid performer. That's what he is. And then we've seen him this season filling in at centre-half and it's not his position. You know, he just goes in and he quietly goes about his business and he tries to do the best job that he can for the team. And you know, I think we'll maybe appreciate Liam Palmer more for the player he is when he has packed it in or when he does move on from Sheffield Wednesday or when he retires. And I think then people look back and go, yeah, wow. You know, he's played over 10 years for his football club. You know, what a great servant and what a great ambassador, by the way, for the football club on and off the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One last thing to talk about, and this is the absolute farce that is the Portsmouth away game, which was scheduled for, uh, what was the original date? It was was originally Tuesday the 7th of December. Then it was moved to Wednesday the 8th of December. And that was was pretty bad because fans, obviously, to get good uh, train prices, you have to book them way in advance. Uh, You can't move them when you buy advance trains. You're just kind of stuck with it. Hotels that had been uh, booked. So that was a pain. And then in the last couple of days, moved back to the original date of Tuesday the 7th, which is only a couple of weeks away. Um, and this is just, and, and, and this is all because of TV, isn't it? This is due to um, TV moving things around for, for games that they, they want to show. Um, it's, this is indefensible. It really is inexcusable. It's just awful on those, those committed fans who are going up and down the country that you know, having to buy one set of train tickets to go down to Portsmouth is is bad enough. To then have to mess around trying to change them or buy them again for for a second fixture is bad, and then to move it back again, like how I I just cannot understand how this can be allowed to happen. It is it's scandalous. One word, James, shambles. That's what it is. Uh, and I've never known anything like it as well with a fixture change where yeah, TV, they've selected a match, so they've moved it to a Wednesday. And then further on, and, I, and I've seen the explanation to do with Plymouth getting through and they need more time to prepare and everything. But honestly, I feel so sorry for Sheffield Wednesday fans who've already booked their train tickets, their hotels, and they're now having to rip up and try and, you know, sort out the plans. And, you know, it is absolutely out of 
the club's hands. You know, the Sheffield Wednesday had no, you know, no say in this whatsoever. And, you know, they've apologised for the inconvenience, but it's nothing to do with Sheffield Wednesday. It is TV companies and not giving two hoots about the fans, you know, and the fans should be the be all and end all. You know, the fans are what make the games. I, I just, honestly, mate, I, I couldn't believe it when I found out that was happening. I just thought, how absolutely ridiculous is this? I've I've got friends that are, are going, and and it's honestly it's sickening. It's sickening to see like the palaver that they've got to go through. And this is not, you know, it was when, when we were at the top end of the championship. You you'd sort of expect that some of the games have been moved for TV, and you would always be cautious about. Oh, should we just hang on because that's quite a tasty fixture. It might get it might get moved in the Premier League. You, I, I guess fans there are just conditioned to expect it but this in in league one midweek from from south yorkshire right the way down to portsmouth like there are people sat in a room making decisions that haven't got a clue that have probably never been to a football match in their life um and it's just plain wrong those those people should not be allowed to make those decisions without thinking. Hang on, there's there's fans here that are going to have made these arrangements and those arrangements, and it's not fair on us to do this. We can't we can't do this. So we'll we'll come up with something else. Um, I just I I can't I I cannot get my head around how it is allowed to happen. And for me, it's it's further evidence of just how broken elements of football are right now that fans are so taken for granted by the people that make the decisions that affect them well said james i can't top that and i love the fact that you said on this podcast i'm not going to go on a rant and you've given up <laughs> and you've and you have delivered the perfect rant i think to you know bring us to a nice Mate, close half an hour of talking to you this is what it does to a guy <laughs> Very good, mate. Very good. Right, that is going to wrap us up. I think for uh, for for this week's rant, um, we we will be back on. Uh, if you are a Twitter user, you might be aware that we've started doing um, some Twitter spaces, which is kind of like a it's almost like a live football phone in, but you just do it using your Twitter app. So if you are on Twitter, make sure you follow us um, and get details of the next one that we're doing. Not this weekend because obviously Dom's got the trip to uh, Accrington to navigate, uh, but. Um, certainly the week after we'll be back on um, on Twitter spaces so keep an eye out for details of that a huge big thank you to our partners at Title Law Solicitors specialists in wills trusts and probate as a podcast listener you can tap into a special deal to get buy one get one free on lasting powers of attorney if you mentioned singing the blues um, and Ollie uh, is available for evenings weekends and home appointments you'll have heard him on the podcast before uh, he will come and see you wherever you are in South Yorkshire just get in touch via titolaw.co.uk on twitter dom is at dom house and i'm at james marriott the show is at dom and james um, you can also find us on facebook and youtube as well uh, just search for singing the blues all those links by the way are in the show notes for this episode thanks for listening up the owls and we'll see you next time 